Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, and thank you for joining us as we share the good news of Christ's love. We share a rich tradition as a diverse and well. Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, and thank you for joining us as we share the good news of Christ's love. We share a rich tradition as a diverse and welcoming congregation. We strive to meet people where they are and join them on their faith journey as we carry out our mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world. Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We say a word of greeting to those here in the sanctuary as well as those who are streaming and watching on television. We're thankful to have all of you present in our worship experience today. It is Christ the King Sunday, which means it's the last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. Advent marks the beginning of the church calendar year. So we now gather in a very special way, in a very special time, to acknowledge Christ as King. So I invite you to participate fully in this service of worship.
I invite you to stand as you are able as we join together in our call to worship. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide all the nations upon the earth. The earth has brought forth its increase. May God, our own God, bless us. join me in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
This morning we go to God as a congregation with our joys and concerns from this faith community and around our state. To Susan Manley and family in the death of her father, Dr. Kenneth Beaton, we also pray for those who have been ill or recently hospitalized, Neil Maynard, Bill Gregory, and Neil Hart. We're also glad to welcome our new member, James Alley. We also lift up the 35 Arkansas United Methodist churches, leaving the denomination at the end of this year. And we pray God's blessings on their continued ministries. We also lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ in Jonesboro, in Cabot, and in Searcy for clarity, for healing, and for a way forward that we know that God can provide. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, there is not a moment that we do not belong to you. You claim us as your beloved from beginning to end. Reassured and emboldened by this good news, we uplift our petitions and prayers to you this morning, knowing that nothing separates us from you and from your love for us. So much seems irreconcilable in our families, our homes, our churches, our nation, creation itself. Let us turn over to you whatever feels impossible in our lives. Continue to remind us that your love and grace have no end. We pray for all those living in turmoil, in division, in dispute. We ask that you bring a sense of humility and compassion to people so that they look beyond their self-interests and better serve others, especially the oppressed and the vulnerable. Lord, give us the courage to claim the spaces where we are leaders and to name our responsibilities in caring for one another. Keep expanding our capability to love one another so that we may recognize you everywhere we go and in everyone we meet. Help us to love the world as fiercely and yet as tenderly as you do. As we unite our voices together in our congregational prayer. Most gracious God, you crown the year with your goodness. We praise you that you have ever fulfilled that promise that while earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. We bless you for the order and constancy of nature, for the beauty of the earth and sky and sea, and for the providence that year by year supplies our need. And with our thanksgiving for these blessings, accept our praise, O God, for the eternal riches of your grace in Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Because of your gifts, our food pantry provides groceries for over 120 families in our community every month. This is a really special ministry that also provides for families through UAMS that have someone undergoing cancer treatment. And this past week, we were able to do a special distribution to help families celebrate Thanksgiving. All of this is possible because of your gifts and commitment to this church. So as the ushers come forward, I invite you to join me in a posture of prayer. Generous God, we give thanks for all that we have, all that we've been given and for the opportunity to share our gifts with others. Help us to offer back what we can to the work of your church so that its impact may be multiplied and felt by many. Amen.
invite you to remain standing as today we read Psalm 100. Let us hear these holy words. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Before you're seated, please take a moment to greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ. We again say a word of greeting this morning to all of you. We're grateful for those here in the sanctuary. We've had some issues with the boiler, so if it's a little chilly in here, uh, we apologize for that. We're desperately working on that. Um, I have a robe on, and it's still cold, so uh, I apologize for that. We'll do the best we can to remedy that, certainly for next Sunday. We're grateful for your presence, however. We also say a word of greeting to those on television and online as well, particularly those in Sheridan and Blythel, and as well as Bald Knob, our people who are in the hospitals across the state and nursing homes as well. We are always appreciative and thankful for those who choose to worship with us, however they choose to do that. We're grateful to be able to celebrate our faith together. Let us pray. O oh Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. For years, the people of Fiji would gather together as good Methodists for their annual conference. A large group of Methodists would gather together and it seemed to grow over the years for one primary reason. As the years went by, they started having a choral contest. Churches would sing. Before long, it morphed into something where everybody was involved and more and more people came. They would have upwards of 10,000 people attending their annual conference as these good Methodists sang the great hymns of the church. But in 2009, the Fiji government, which was in turmoil at the time, stopped it. The Methodists could not gather together and sing the great hymns of the church anymore. The government was threatened by this. Well, what could be more threatening than getting a bunch of good old Methodists together to sing the great hymns of the church? We are a people who sing praise to God. Whether we're in the choir or in the congregation or out in the world, we are the people who shout for joy. That is, we are a people who long to be in the presence of God in some way or another, exalting our Lord above all else. And the primary way in which we do that as United Methodist Christians and Christians in general is through the worship experience. Every time we gather together, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, something extraordinary takes place. The psalmist writes, shout for joy. Come to his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Because of the goodness of God, we shout for joy. It is for all of us, if you will, our way of offering our grateful praise to God for what God has done for us and continues to do for us. Worship is the kind of experience that allows us to be open to how it is God would choose to speak to us. We're around people who are different ages, different interests, different occupations, different races. We are different in lots of ways, but when we gather together, when we celebrate our faith, we are united in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a result of that experience, something extraordinary takes place, something mystical, if you will, by the power of the Spirit that changes us, that creates us a little bit more into who God would have us to be. Time and time again, when we worship, something happens to us. It may be inexplicable. It might even be something that we don't even realize in the moment, but something happens to us when we gather together to worship. The great Christian writer Richard Foster says, if you go to worship and you have not been changed, you did not go to worship. Worship does something to us. It might be in the moment. It might be something later on. But there is a great power when we offer our grateful praise to our God collectively and individually in the worship experience. And one of the things that we have to realize is that when we gather together to celebrate our faith, however we do that, online, on television, in person, when we do that, we remind ourselves of the power of God in that moment and that we are the participants in worship and God is the audience. Sometimes we get it backwards. We think when we come to worship and we sit down, we are the ones who are the audience, and those who are leading worship are the participants. You all are actually leading worship by being here. You're praying. You're listening. You're singing. You are participants in the worship experience, and our God is the one who is the audience, who listens to us and watches us and gives us something great that shapes who we are all the more when we gather together. Walter Wink says that what worship does is remind us who really owns this place. And what Walter Wink means by that is what worship does is remind us of who the creator of all that is, is. It is Almighty God, the one who everything we know and experience has created. And so the psalmist declares that it is our responsibility to shout to the Lord. Now, what he means by that, of course, is not screaming out. What he means by that, it is our role in the worship experience to give of ourselves completely in grateful praise because God is God and God is deserving of all of that. We should feel compelled. We should be driven. 
we should have an extraordinary need to want to offer our grateful praise to God, that is, to worship. It should be a part of the makeup of who we are. It shouldn't be optional. It's non-negotiable. And I oftentimes fail to understand why it is so many people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ choose not to worship. I don't get it. And I've heard all the excuses over the years that you can imagine. People will say, listen, preacher, I don't go to the church because every time I go to the church, I look around and there are so many hypocrites in there. That one doesn't fly with me because my response is always, you're absolutely right. Everybody in there is hypocritical because by definition, hypocrisy means to preach one thing and practice another. And the church is simply a three-letter word. It's called sin. We are all sinful people. We are hypocritical at times. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we preach one thing and do something else. You are right, and that's the great joy. Nobody's any better than anyone else when we gather in here. We're all in need of a Savior. That excuse doesn't fly. Then there will be people who say, I'm just out of the habit. I've just gotten out of the habit of going to worship. I don't understand that either. If worship's really important, you don't get out of the habit of feeding your children. You don't get out of the habit of going to work. I mean, why do we get out of the habit of going to church? Church is not a habit. Worship is who we are. We are a people of grateful praise. And I've heard people say, well, listen, my children are just not interested in worship, so we don't go. Really? You mean every Monday morning when you wake up your child to go to school and your child says, I'm not really interested in going to school, you tell them, well, tuck yourself right back in and go back to sleep. You let your children dictate how you go about praising your God? And my favorite one, the most noble one of all, is that there are people who really say this. They don't come to worship to protect you from death. You know why? Because they will say, preacher, been so long since I've been to the church, if I go to worship, the walls are going to cave in and the roof is going to collapse. What a noble cause. How magnanimous of them. I would say to you, that the structural integrity of this church is not dependent on your faithfulness or lack thereof. And it doesn't fly with God. The psalmist is clear. There is an expectation that we offer our grateful praise to our Lord, that God is deserving of it. And the psalmist says, we are the sheep of his pasture, and we are to enter his courts with praise. That is lifting God above everyone and everything else. And what makes worship extraordinary is that it prioritizes the way life should be for us, with God at the top. When I was in seminary, I had some young men from China who were in a preaching class with me. They didn't speak English well. But one of the things I learned about them is that they were risking their lives going back to China to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But they were driven to do so. I have never seen any of those young men who are no longer young men since I was in seminary. And I wonder sometimes what happened to them. Were they imprisoned? Were they put to death? 
but they were so driven to lead Christians, oftentimes in secret, to be able to worship our God, that they were willing to risk their lives. Maybe we're too spoiled. Maybe it's too easy to come up with another reason. But there is no reason that justifies why it is we don't worship our God. We are to offer our collective praise, our individual praise, our grateful praise to our Lord. It's who we are and what we're about. Now, let me tell you this, that the Apostle Paul tells the church at Corinth, when you worship, do it in an orderly fashion. It is not a free-for-all. Do it with structure, do it with order, so people benefit from that. So there are all kinds of worship experiences that people can participate in that are meaningful. Maybe not as meaningful for you, but meaningful for them. And what is meaningful for you may not be as meaningful for that other individual, but nevertheless, that's why we have a variety of worship experiences. There are those who love what we would call classic worship in a sanctuary with organ and piano and a choir. There are those who love what we call modern worship with guitars and drums and upbeat music and being able to stand up and clap. There are people who like to attend churches where they speak in tongues and other churches where it is very contemplative and very quiet. Every one of those styles of worship is meaningful because in their own way, those who participate are offering their grateful praise. Years ago, when I was relatively young in ministry, at the end of the service of worship after preaching, like I always do, I extended an invitation to anyone here today who would like to join the church. We will come down to the front during the closing hymn. We invite you to come forward. At the time, my youth director, who is now my sister-in-law, who is now a United Methodist pastor, came down with me because she participated in the service of worship. As we started the closing hymn, there was a young man who was a member of our congregation who was sitting on the front row. As the hymn started, he ran down the middle aisle to the back, and I thought to myself, bless his heart, he's sick. Got to get out of here. But when he got to the very last row, he made a hard right, and he started yelling and screaming and hollering and waving his arms, and he came right down to the front, right in front of us, and started back down. And when he came back down the next time, I tackled him. <laughs> Promise you this is a true story. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if something, if he was dangerous. I didn't know what was happening. We actually had somebody join the church while all this was taking place. Not a soul was singing the hymn, by the way. No one was. Everybody had big eyes and was wondering what was taking place. And a young man came down to join. And we sort of welcomed him into the church, and we concluded our service, and this young man who I was holding got up and left. And I thought, that may be the most surreal experience I've ever been through in my life. And everybody, of course, said, what was that all about? What was that? I said, I don't have any idea what that was. I called him the next morning. I said, why don't you come to my office? Let's talk about this. He came into my office, and this is what he said. You Methodist, which, by the way, he'd been in that church his whole life, you Methodists don't know how to worship. So I was going to teach everybody the right way to worship. You raise up your hands and you holler and yell. And I said, excuse me, time out. Not in this church, we don't. If you want to go to a church that does that, you are welcome to do so. But you are not going to dictate how it is we praise our God. 
That was disruptive, not edifying or beneficial. If people don't do it like us, it doesn't mean they're not doing it the right way. It simply means it is their way of being able to offer their grateful praise to our God, and that's what we do. The only challenge that I have is when people are more than willing to profess that they are Christian but have no sense of obligation or responsibility to offer praise to God. I just don't get that. I think all of us who are so filled with gratitude and thanksgiving want to be able to offer our grateful praise to our Lord. We have so much for which to be thankful. It doesn't mean life is always easy. It doesn't mean we're not disappointed and things aren't hard at times. But it does mean that we have prioritized life and put God where God belongs at the top first so that we reprioritize our life every day when sometimes it gets all messed up. Worship affords us the great privilege of reminding ourselves once again who is first, always, in every circumstance. The famous philosopher and atheist Friedrich Nietzsche was asked one time, why did he have such disdain for Christians? And Nietzsche said, because I look at Christians who talk about their salvation and maybe I would be interested in their salvation if they looked a little bit more like people who had been saved. Our responsibility is to leave this place looking different from when we came in. We may have the same hairstyle, wearing the same clothes when we came in an hour earlier, but there is a radiance about us. There is something different about us for having been here, having been around each other having heard the voice of God in a variety of ways in the worship experience, having encounters with one another, sitting next to people we don't know, but having the intimacy of being able to share in the faith experience with them. I have told young couples many times over the years whom I was to marry, you have one of the great joys that I don't have. And you need to latch onto that and make it a part of your life from the moment you say, I do. And that is the greatest form of intimacy you can have with each other is to worship together. When you worship together, that form of intimacy affects every other form of intimacy in your life. And you have the great privilege of being able to make that a priority and doing that. I have to work on Sunday morning. I don't have that privilege very often. So take advantage of it. It will shape your marriage. It will shape who you are. And there's something very special about being with people whom we may not even know by name, who don't live in our neighborhood, who don't have the same interests we do. But somehow when we sit next to them and we sing those same songs with them and we hear the same prayers and we pray the Lord's Prayer together and affirm our faith together, there is something that happens in that moment that is critically important to the makeup of who we are, that reshapes somehow who we are, at least for a while. And then we go on from there. To be able to sing together and pray together and worship together is a powerful experience because what it's supposed to do ideally is enable us once we leave this place to be different. 
to recognize that what this place has done for us, this worship experience has done for us, is empower us and enliven us to leave here and be someone else, to do something with what it is we've experienced in here. Not just to leave it in this place, but to take it with us and make a difference in the world. Someone said that when you gather for worship, you don't come to worship just to be fed. Sometimes you have to take off your bib and put on an apron. Do something with what it is you've experienced here. There's ample opportunity to do that, not only in the life of the church, but just in your daily life. The way you encounter other people, the way you relate to those around you, the way you participate in your family, all of those kinds of experiences can be enriched and enlivened because you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit in the worship experience to be someone great and different. Now, I get it. I know there are Sundays when you come to worship and it's just not there for whatever reason. I can tell you that. There have been plenty of times when I have come to worship and when it's all said and done, I just get frustrated. I just felt like it wasn't there. One of the things that I learned in seminary was that I had a professor whom I adored. And he said, you preachers need to learn something right now. Sunday is not your Sabbath. Because on Sunday, your job is to make it a meaningful experience for somebody else. And you're going to worry about whether or not the organist is going to play when she's supposed to. And the ushers are going to come down when they're supposed to. And you're going to be going over your sermon in your head time and time again. You don't have time to focus on that. So you have got to find your Sabbath. I envy, I greatly envy you because you can be here. I greatly envy those who are watching on television or online because they are investing themselves in our worship experience. But we have to do something with it. And we have to believe, whether it's boring sometimes or exciting sometimes, that somehow God is speaking through whoever it is that happens to be preaching on that Sunday morning that God is speaking through whatever anthem is being sung by the choir on a given Sunday morning, that God is speaking through the liturgy that we read in this worship experience every Sunday morning, that God is speaking through the hymns that we sing collectively as we raise our voices to God, as we in our own way shout to the Lord. Our praise, our grateful praise, because in our own way, when we gather in here, what we have to remind ourselves of is at least figuratively, it is our job to get on our knees and to bow before the one who deserves our humble adoration and our profound love. Albert Thornwaldson, a famous sculpture, Danish sculpture, created a beautiful sculpture of Jesus with his arms outstretched and his head bowed. And one of Thord Waltzen's friends came to him and said, when I look at the statue of Jesus, I have one problem. I cannot see his face. And Thord Waltzen quickly replied, well, let me tell you, if you want to see the face of Jesus, you have to get on your knees. 
That's what happens when we're here. We see the face of Jesus because we are on our knees. We see the face of Jesus and those with whom we worship and the whole experience that makes up what we call a worshipful time, a holy and sacred time in a holy and sacred space. And as we prepare for Thanksgiving this week, we remind ourselves all over again for that for which we are thankful, for the people, the experiences, the opportunities, and most importantly of all, the God who loves us, created us, nurtures us, the God we know fully in Jesus Christ. So, it has been a privilege to be able to worship with you today. It is a great joy and a blessing to know that for the rest of my life, there was a moment in time where you and I together were the most intimate of people offering our praise to God, our grateful praise. Thank you for the privilege. Hallelujah. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning and our hymn of invitation is number 102. Now thank we all our God as we sing our closing hymn. I hope you'll think very carefully about the words that you are going to sing. As we do every Sunday, we extend an invitation to anyone here today who would like to, in a formal way, become a part of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. For those of you in the sanctuary, there is a card in the pew in front of you. You can put your name on that card. And as we sing your, the closing hymn, we invite you to come forward. The ministers will be down at the front. We'll give you the vows of the church and we'll celebrate that you've chosen to be in ministry with us as a part of this faith community. For those watching on television and online, please be in contact with the church. You can call us on the number on the screen or email us. We will be happy to give you information about how you can, in a very special way, be a part of our faith community as well. So however you choose to do that, we hope this is the time in which you make that decision as we all stand together to sing.
want to remind you very quickly that we have the Sacrament of Holy Communion available in the chapel. If you have an interest in that, I know once you exit the sanctuary, if you need directions, there are those who are more than happy to tell you how to get there. We also want to remind you, of course, that the United Women in Faith, who are a part of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, are having their bake sale right now. So we're, we've decided nobody is going to greet us in the back if we have a bake sale. So we're going to go to the bake sale so that you will greet us and we have the chance to be able to visit with you as well. So we do hope once you exit the sanctuary, you'll gather in, you'll gather in the gathering hall and you'll have a chance to interact with each other, visit with us, and also purchase something. We're grateful for your presence today. It is always our joy and privilege to be able to celebrate our faith together in grateful praise. So we say to all of you, God bless you. Have a great week. Walk with Jesus and tell somebody about Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church.
again for worshiping with us today at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We invite you to visit our website to let us know you were a part of our viewing community today or to learn more about how you can get involved in our ongoing mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world.